Welcome to Lightning Rounds, a podcast from Refuge Young Adults about culture, the Bible, life. Sometimes we talk about honest stuff here. Sometimes it's sometimes. just sometimes it's just funny. We get honest questions from you guys about life, culture around us, and the Bible. And hopefully, like we said, you get honest biblical answers. We're your hosts, Zach, what's up? And I got Andrew Newman. Guten Tag. (laughs) This is German. (laughs) Guten Morgen. (laughs) We learned in the last podcast that you were part German. I am. So, uh, Severely. <laughs> we also learned that there's Germans in Germany. There are a severe case of Germanites. Are you a germaphobe? I tested. <laughs> nice. Nice. I'm a German positive. Oh, God. So, and today's special guest is probably one of our most favorite people of all time. If she's not reading a good book, in the corner of the San Juan Public Library. Yes, it's a true story. She'll find her longboarding, surfing at Doho. She's um, been a full-time missionary and also manages the awesome jungle of children's ministry. We have Quincy McCook on the podcast. (laughs) And all the listeners went wild. Quincy, welcome. Wow, thanks guys. Thanks for having me on. Finally. Big fan of the podcast. Our only fan. Number one. Number one. You made it. And only. You listeners too can one day be a guest on our podcast. You can make it. (laughs) Oh, Quincy. Well, why don't you share with some of our listeners a little bit about who you are? Um, All right. Well, my name's Quincy. I am... 25 and I've been attending young adults for the past three-ish years. Um, I grew up at Calvary San Juan, uh, came from a great loving Christian family, um, dedicated my life to the Lord as a, as a little kid and just have been following him ever since. And it's been exciting just following the Lord where he's led me to Hawaii and to Guatemala and then back here. And yeah, so um, I'm here today and I'm excited to be with you guys. We are super excited. You were a missionary in Guatemala and that place holds a special place in all of our hearts here. We've all been in there. Yeah. The coffee is phenomenal. Yes, definitely <laughs> there. The Shout out to uh, Unbelievable. Fat Cat. Fat Cat. Yes. Shout out to that place. If you're ever in Guatemala, Antigua. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where the streets are cobblestone. <laughs> and the buildings are multicolored. <laughs> And you must bargain for the price of a Guatemalan jersey. <laughs> Stop it, Fat Cat Coffee. It's great. But you're also, Quincy, um, you've been serving here on Children's Ministry for how many years at, at, on staff? Uh, just over three years. Over three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, if you could use a couple words to describe what it's like being in Children's Ministry week in, week <laughs> out. We just finished VBS, too, yes. here last week, for those oh, of you guys listening. <laughs> It was insane. It was awesome. Why don't you share a little bit about what it's like? Well, being... all I do is sharpen pencils and give kids goldfish. So <laughs> uh, that's what people think. They're like, that's what do greatest. you do all week? Sharpen pencils. <laughs> that's all I do. Kids need them sharp. Those coloring pages ain't going to color themselves. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, it's awesome. I mean, it's wild with all the kids, but um, we really like to think of it as family ministry because we're getting to know the families as well as the kids, wanting people to feel welcomed. And the same vision that Pastor John has of putting the word in priority is the same for us here. So whether they're in the toddler class up to fifth grade, we're going through the word with them, teaching them just how much God loves them, um, teaching them Bible verses, Bible stories, and it's so fun. It's so fun to be with the kids, and it's tiring, but it's so worth it. And um, just being able, <laughs> Andrew's squeaking chair. Sorry, my squeaking chair. <laughs> I'm trying not to move at all. It's okay. Oh. Yeah, but just being able to be in this staff too and learn from other people has been really cool. So, yeah. children's ministry is wild, and we always need help. So, whenever we're Shout back, out. <laughs> Shout, yeah. out. Shout fill out. out an application and Come serve. On. <laughs> serve. Come on. Come on. Hang out with my four kids. They're awesome. We love them. My wife and That's I have true. single-handedly. 
populated the children's yes. ministry yes. at our church. We're just keeping it's more, it alive. It's, Code name is the Newman Babysitters. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's a blessing. <laughs> yeah. I think it takes a special heart, you know, a special calling to serve in children's ministry. One thing even I've noticed about you, Quincy, is you've got that, you know, Jesus says that whoever comes to me must come like a child, that childlike faith. And there's that beauty of it, you know. And um, one of the cool things about my friendship with you, Quincy, we're always sharing really cool quotes and books and stuff like that um, back and forth. And you shared this quote with me. I'm going to read it here. Um, it was kind of like off of a John Mark McMillan album. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the quote is um, actually by G.K. Chesterton. He says in this, he says, because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. <laughs> For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately but he has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. That's like one of the best quotes I think I've ever heard yeah. from Quincy. That's brought me to tears. You want to share a little bit? Of that? <laughs> right? I think you did share I that. I really yeah. did. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just get so caught up in having to do the same things over and over again. And maybe it starts out exciting and fun. And then years go by and you're like, oh, I hate this. This is the worst. But just to read that quote and think about how God, maybe he doesn't get tired of doing things over and over again. Mm -hmm. Like he's the eternal being and he finds joy in like every day, you know, mm. in every moment of eternity, he finds joy in that. And so just to be reminded that it's okay to be like a child and to find that joy fresh every day or in the day-to-day -day monotonous things, that there can be an excitement about it still. And that just challenges me not to grow tired of, you know, whatever it is, waking up and reading my Bible every day. Oh, it's a chore. It's a drag. No, like be excited about those things. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I, I think it's interesting how, I mean, it says that sin is what make, made us grow older than our father. Mm. Our father is younger than we. Yeah. Sin has caused us to grow up in a sense um, that we aren't amazed at the simple things anymore. And, um, oh man, such a great quote. I mean, that in itself is a, <laughs> yeah. is a topic it's of itself. funny, but like, I went for a walk with my oldest son the other day because I, I had to walk the dog because he just needed to go for a walk because that's what dogs do. <laughs> and I took my son. I'm like, you're going to just come with me. And I'm like, I just want to sit down. Like, I got to get the dog walked and I want to sit down. I'm tired. And Luke and I were just walking and we got to the, like, the end of it. And he's like, this was the best day. <laughs> and I'm like, how weird yeah. Of a of a concept of that to my ears, I'm like best day. We just walked around the neighborhood, but for him it was like it was new, but mm. but it was something that I'd always done and grown old. And I realized like the older I get, the grumpier I'm getting, and it is. I think it's a part of sin. Just because yeah. I'm a sinner, I'm getting grumpy <laughs> or a dwarf, like one of the dwarfs. <laughs> the dwarf. Kingdom. I look. I don't know. You can't see me, but I look like Gimli. Oh at the gosh. moment, just red. My axe. Yeah. <laughs> what's the big guy from Harry Potter? Dumbledore? <laughs> no, it's a, the, the redheaded one. I wouldn't I know. know. Yeah, I don't know. We weren't allowed to read those Speaking when we were of kids. Books. <laughs> I had to burn my Harry Potter book. Oh, okay. When I was, yeah, uh, me too. I've never seen <laughs> any of the movies. <laughs> just joking. Uh, yeah, I think. Hagrid, yeah. that's it. Oh, Hagrid. that's it. Thank that's you. right. Sorry. Okay. No, that's, yeah, that's so true. Um, and it's, you know, it's refreshing, you know, to remember that and to, you know, remind ourselves, you know, that we are meant to live for eternity and God is meant to give us that, uh, you know, that he is so, he's so beautiful and awe-inspiring and every day really is a miracle. And I think sometimes we do grow old of it, we grow tired of it, or we see 
sin we allow sin to make us you know grumpy and old and <laughs> but forever young <laughs> i want to be forever, <laughs> forever young yeah. Neil do you young. really want to live Neil forever <laughs> Neil young? forever all young young i'm young <laughs> well um quincy you rock we're so stoked you're with us and um sadly we know that we're sending you off you're leaving to maui yep. god put it on your heart to go back your family lives back there um so that's why we wanted to get you on here um a week before wow. right yeah yeah thank you so <laughs> sorry we're, st- we're stoked andrew's a little bitter how is it let, can we talk about for a second how you were able to decipher that God was calling you and that his will for oh, you gosh. was to go it's to It's basically your fault. Because... <laughs> no. Yes. Not, listen. Shh, nobody... Listen. Don't listen to what she's about this to say. This is what Andrew said. We're going to cut this out. <laughs> and you said, it's okay to want to go home and be with your family. There's nothing wrong with that. And go so, home, ball. Basically told go me to home. leave. And I took that as the voice of the Lord. Oh, man. It's my fault. So if you want to hear the voice of the Lord, mm-hmm. <laughs> talk to Andrew. Listen to the rest of our <laughs> I am the mouth. Uh, that's Sorry. funny. Don't. We're gonna miss you so much. Oh uh, man, it's I don't even want to think about it yet. We're gonna miss you so much, but we're thankful that you're able to be here with us and um, kind of transitioning into further into our our podcast. Uh, we you know. We do segments here. We try to make it a little lighthearted and not make it so serious all the time. We don't want this just to be another Bible study that you guys are hearing or listening to. Um, and we try to make it a little fun for us here sitting in this basement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Quincy loves to read. And whenever I want to know about a good book, I always ask Quincy. I mean, some of the best books that I've personally read have been recommendations from Quincy. And so um, our segment today is called... Worst book titles. Yes. So we scoured the internet and found some of the worst <laughs> book titles out there. <laughs> I only picked four of them. There are so many out there. But um, yeah, why don't we have you guys read off some of these? Quincy, you can read one and three, and Andrew can do two oh, wow. and four. <laughs> and so <laughs> Quincy wants you to read that first and maybe comment a little bit on what... Wow. Yeah. You see. So this first book here is like a a mustard yellow. Looks kind of vintage <laughs> cover. No idea when it was written, but it's probably so old that it's back now. I don't know. It kind of <laughs> looks like that. It has that font. In. It does. I think it's the font That's that we're true. using That's for all of our yeah. shirts at the yeah. moment. So um, it's called Raccoons Are the Brightest People. <laughs> and I can't really read what's underneath. The Delightful Benefits by the author of Rascal. <laughs> I think it says The Delightful Bestseller. Oh, yeah. Bestseller. That so makes this is his sense. best book. <laughs> you can't read that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Raccoons yeah. are the brightest people. And if I could just comment on that, for VBS, we had all these different animal names for our groups, and my group was the Rad Raccoons. That's true. And I think we were the brightest. You so. were. You were. <laughs> I heard your kids, though, calling themselves the rabid raccoons. Well, that's my brother's fault. <laughs> okay, he's like, we're they, the rabid raccoons. They also called the eagles in the uh, hallway seagulls. <laughs> the seagulls. So nice. that every time they're like, look at the seagulls. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Orange County kids. Uh, All right, book number two. Someone spent a lot of time designing <laughs> the front of this cover. It's basically a white cover with red writing, um, and that's it. The title is How to Raise Your IQ by Eating Gifted Children (laughs) by Lewis Burke Frumkes. (laughs) Gifted Children is in green. So if you like Christmas, this is a book for you. (laughs) How to Raise Your IQ by Eating Gifted Children. That sounds terrible. And there's bite marks out of the C and the G and the N. This is the most terrifying book I've ever See. When I first read this title, honestly, I thought it's read "How to Raise Your IQ by Eating," and I was like, "Awesome!" Yeah, I thought <laughs> finally something I'm good at. I, I, I thought start. that's why you assigned me to read it. Let's <laughs> give to children. So, all right. Oh man. Great okay. Stuff. Number three. Gosh, this one I want to read it. <laughs> it's a devotional for teens. It's by some lady 
<laughs> and the title is <laughs> Anybody Can Be Cool. Dot, dot, dot. But awesome takes practice. <laughs> and there's like four different people crowded out around this one blonde guy. And he's like explaining to them how to be cool. Oh and, my um, gosh. What decade is this, guys? Oh, is this gosh. like this the is, 80s or something? This is the early 90s here. Early 90s? Yeah. Yeah. Ladies. Yeah. Oh, I love that this is a devotional. It's a devotional, but it, I love that the cover is very diverse. We mm. have we have African American, <laughs> we up. have Asian, we have white, <laughs> we have a little Hispanic a girl in the back. There's a little Hispanic girl in the back. I mean, this is beyond and way ahead of its this, time. It's yeah. True. As far as uh, you know, what we're dealing with currently. <laughs> yeah. And if you read under the author's name, what does it say under there in yellow? I don't know if you can read that. Author of "If God Loves Me, Why Can't I Get My Locker Open." <laughs> I mean, that's a little exclusive for those of us who are homeschooled and didn't have lockers. Oh, I can't no. relate. If you're homeschooled and still couldn't get your you're locker like, open, there's a problem. There's a real problem. Oh my gosh. Oh, there it is. Pick it up at your local uh, Lifeway Christian bookstore. Used, used bookstore. Anybody can be cool, but awesome takes practice. Wow. Oh man. Way Last to go. one. All right. Last one. I can't even describe this cover. It's so good. Um, there's a man turned look, look, and he's looking at his dog. He's a man looking at his dog with a sweater. He has a knit hat, and the dog is wearing the same knitted type sweater. And it says, men who knit and dogs who love them. <laughs> 30 great looking designs for man and his best friend. <laughs> So clearly this is a how-to book on how to knit yourself a beanie and a matching sweater for your dog. Oh, man. Then I'm pretty sure the guy on this cover is single. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty sure. About 90% sure. Oh, man. Wow. Well, that has been Worst (laughs) Book Titles. So good. Mm. We like reading books on here sometimes. Uh. Every once in a while. <laughs> oh man! Are there any good books you're reading, Quincy? Right now, maybe you've always recommended great ones to me. Before we get into our questions, um, right now I'm reading a book by Ironside, and he's—I don't know when he, early 1900s, maybe a yeah. commentator. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one book that I'm reading—it's called Holiness: The False and the True—and it's actually about his life. So it's really cool because. It talks about how he got saved in the Salvation Army, and it was a very, um, it was a weird type of cult actually back then, um, and it was all about being sanctified. And he believed that, you know, you get to the state where you're sanctified and you no longer sin. And so that was the holiness that he experienced. But then he started feeling so like terrible about himself because he couldn't live up to that and thought he was a failure. Anyway, so then it goes into what is true holiness, and mm. I'm getting to that part. But it's been really cool, and I just think there's nothing new under the sun because there's a lot of people, um, even today, who believe like, oh, yeah, we don't sin or whatever, but they just lower their standards and <laughs> think yeah. that it's not sin because God has sanctified them or whatever. So that's the book I'm currently reading, and it's really good. Awesome. Well, you heard it first from Quincy. That's right. That's rad. That actually goes into, we're going to dive into our questions mm-hmm. now that you guys asked. And uh, that actually goes right into our first question um, asked by one of you guys, our listeners. <clears throat> this question says, is it possible for Christians to be lenient towards smaller sins? And how can we as Christians, uh, or sorry, how can we sin as a Christian if it is taking advantage of God's grace? So I think this question is kind of asking Christians in sin. What yeah. is the uh, the the? It happens. <laughs> Do Christians sin? Do Christians sin? Do pastors sin? Do pastors' well, kids? Sin? <laughs> so many questions. So many rabbit trails off of this one question. I'm gonna let oh. Quincy answer that question first, though. Oh, yeah. As being the guest, we let our guests go first. <laughs> so. This question, I mean, obviously, yes, we all sin. And I've heard people explain it like when you sin, it's a matter of love because you're loving the sin more than you love God. Mm. 
So when you choose to do this or that, it's like I'm choosing to love that instead of God right now. And if we love God and want to please him, then when we are making these decisions or maybe being tempted by things, at least for me, I have to think when I'm being tempted, no, Lord, I love you more. So I'm going to choose not to do this and like help me get out of this or whatever. Um, So it is possible for us to still sin. And if we're going to look at it, um, taking advantage of God's grace, obviously we don't want to do that. Paul says in Romans, like we're not going to keep on sinning. So grace abounds. Um, And then just how to stay away from those smaller sins, because I think it is easy. You know, we're not doing the big ones. We've been saved. We're not, you know, we're not getting drunk or we're not doing this or that. And it's easy to be like, yeah, I'm good because I'm not doing those things. But yet we're gossiping or we're lying or we're doing other things that are looked at as smaller sins. But um, one verse that just came to mind in reading this question was Psalm 139, verse 23 And it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. So I think um, to try and stay away from those smaller sins, you have to ask the Lord because he's the standard. A lot of times we can justify in our minds, oh, this isn't a big deal or whatever. But if I'm constantly going to the Lord, even when I think like, oh, I'm doing pretty good. Or, you know, we get in those seasons where we're like, okay, like, you know, I haven't done this or that. God has given me victory over it, but maybe there's something else that he needs to deal with. So constantly going back to the Lord and asking him to search us and not um, going off our own standards or I'm not as bad as this person or whatever. So I think just keeping the Lord at the center. I don't know if that answers it, but. Yeah, no, I think that's so true. I mean, it's it's all a, like a game of who you worship. Who do you worship mm-hmm. in your life and what you value most? Uh, you know, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so more, of, more often than not, what you treasure most in life is um, you, you follow after that. You, you know, um, I, like for an example, like my wife, Emma, I love her. And so I don't, I try my best not to get her angry or to do things that she tells me not to do or, you know, different stuff like that. And just because of, it's out of love. I love her. I care for her. And, um, I mean, Jesus even said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And so I think there's an aspect of, of love that, um, comes, um, with, uh, I don't want to say not sinning, but, uh, I guess like living righteously, Mm -hmm. living righteously, living a righteous life. Yeah. Because I think it is true. I think sometimes we as Christians can be like, oh yeah, I'm not, I didn't commit murder this week. (laughs) I'm great with God. You know, you're like, done. I'm good. (laughs) Um, But we so easily allow the smaller ones, the smaller areas of compromise um, to come in. You know, um, like the book of Song of Solomon says, catch for us the foxes that spoil the vine, the little foxes. And it's so often the little things that sneak under our guard that um, cause us to fall, cause us to to falter. It is possible for Christians to allow that to happen. Well, I think the thing that we forget is that sin is sin. Mm -hmm. No matter how great the sin or whatever, Mm -hmm. to degree in which we put on it, I just did finger quotes, the degree in which sin is bad or whatever, um, sin is sin. Like my sin, my lying, my, um, my pride is actually why Jesus went to the cross. So it's not because I murdered someone that Jesus is like, okay, now I have to go to the cross. It's because I was born with this innate nature to sin. And that was going to take place. It's happening in my life. Like, I think people try and put a degree upon sin as like, well, this is a really bad one, but this is just one. Or we will rationalize them. Well, I've conquered these ones, but these ones are something that like everyone struggles with. So it's not a big deal. Poison is poison, Mm -hmm. no matter how much poison you take or whatever. Like if your Mm -hmm. dog gets into the trash and eats something, eats a little bit of chocolate or or whatever, like that's poisonous to him, no matter how much he takes in, it's bad for him. And so when we look at sin, we have to remember that sin is sin, regardless Mm -hmm. of the degree of it, or we feel that the degree of it, Jesus said, If you've looked at a a woman with lust in your heart, like it's as if you've already committed adultery because sin is not just something that's fleshed out through, through hands and through feet. It's actually something that exists within the heart itself. And so 
um, if, if I, what is the other part of that? Like if I hate someone, hate is the root of murder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you all, Jesus says, these are the things that are fleshed out through the body, but yet exist within the heart. So we, I don't think you can put a degree on sin. And when you start to do that, you start to think of yourself as higher and mightier than others mm-hmm. because you don't sin in that way. Yeah. When really your sin is just as ugly. Mm-hmm. If you could see it the way that God sees it, you would understand. I think we would understand. I don't want to say you. I would understand more that sin is incredibly destructive and ugly, no matter mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah. So to yeah. reference that point, like... Shall we continue in sin? Romans 6. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul is re- addressing a, a group of people that thought, well, since God's grace exists, then why should I change the way I live? And Paul's whole point is the grace of God is the tutor of our life. It teaches us to live um, righteously. It's it's a response to the, to the heart of God. It's a response to the cross of Jesus. And so... Um, if we continue to, to make justification for sin, really, it's a misunderstanding of grace. And it, the only person that it's harming, really, um, well, it's harming a lot of people, but it's harming you the most. And it's it's actually poisoning you. Um, so I think that's where, you know, is it possible for us to be lenient towards sin? Absolutely. We're prone to it. It's something that we're free from the power of sin, which produces death. But we still deal with the presence of sin mm. in our life every single day because we're met and we live in a fallen world. Like, mm. we're still going to fall. We're still going to sin. That does not mean that I'm taking advantage of the grace of God when I do fall into temptation. If I sin willingly, that doesn't mean necessarily that I'm like, oh, God's grace is there, so I don't really care. If that's your attitude, then like Paul would say to the Romans, you're taking advantage of God's grace. If there's a real desire to stay away, but we fall in and we make mistakes, which is why Jesus died on the cross is so that we could get to heaven. Um, and there's a brokenness over sin. Like that's, I don't think you're taking advantage of the grace of God. We're welcoming it and we're so blessed by it. Mm-hmm. And that actually motivates us to live a different kind of life. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's really good. That's really good, Andrew. I like what you said that uh, that Jesus has redeemed us from the power of sin, but we still deal with the presence of mm-hmm. it. You know, and I think sometimes when you give your life to Christ, you can think, you know, sweet. You know, <laughs> now my life's gonna be great and perfect, and you know, like, and then temptation comes and you fall, and you know, you deal. I know I can speak of this, like in my own life. Um, I dealt with the doubting of my salvation. Like, oh man, am I, you know, where the devil comes in is like, you're not really a Christian. You know, you sinned, you were that, you did that or, you know, and, um, it's this thing of, you know, like where you were talking about that book about holiness, about sanctification, Quincy, was it Redpath said that salvation is the miracle of a moment, but sanctification being made holy is the miracle of a lifetime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's something that's a process that we as Christians are every day. We're growing more and more to be like Christ. One of uh, a good friend of mine, you know, put it this way: he said Christians aren't sinless; they just sin less mm-hmm. and less. And there, there should be a desire within us to sin less, to um, pursue righteousness, to do good works, like Jesus, uh, Jesus did, and. Um, but maybe if you're listening and you're you you feel like that, like what Andrew said, you you're you're trying to stay um, away from it. Um, but you find yourself keep falling into it or falling into it. You know, know that there's hope for you. You know, you're not um, cast out. Jesus doesn't hate you <laughs> now. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, this, this this blew me away. I was thinking about this earlier. When Jesus died on the cross, he, he didn't die just for the sins that would lead up to your salvation, but he died for your past present, and future sins. He died on the cross 2,000 years ago before you would ever even commit one, knowing all of the sins you would commit in your lifetime. And so Jesus' blood covers it all, and he covers your life, you know, and I just encourage you with this verse that came to my mind in 1 John 1, 9. It says that if we confess our sins, he, speaking of God, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so I think that's just the, the walk of a Christian is living in where we're confessing we're coming to the lord where we sin and we're and sin when we mess up it doesn't draw us away from god but rather it draws us closer to god it makes us run to him rather than running away from him
All right, second question was sent in by probably one of our favorite people too. I love this person. Yeah. <laughs> Never met him. <laughs> He's giving me hope. <laughs> the great state of Kentucky. Shout out to Kentucky. <laughs> you know who you are. You know who you are, you Kentucky guy. <laughs> you. But this question says, what is the best way to witness to a friend who boldly rejects the gospel time after time? Andrew? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I think um, one of the best ways to win someone to Christ is to live live out the gospel with them. Mm. So not just preaching at them, but an honest representation of a gospel transformed life um, just by living with them. I think you continuing to look for opportunity to bring the gospel in, live out the gospel with them, um, and to be honest with them, like just to be a real person with them um, is huge. If they reject the, the verbal representation of the gospel, that doesn't mean that you stop hanging out with them or getting coffee with them or whatever, but continue that conversation. I think keeping the conversation going and open um, is so important. So, um, and you being there and being a consistent person in their life, eventually they're going to come to a point where they hit some kind of hardship, rock bottom, um, trial, um, and so you being there and offering prayer, offering support, or um, I think just not just verbally sharing the gospel with them, but being that person to live out life with them is a great way. Just loving them. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I guess that would be a, a good way. Just loving them. Love them all the, way to the, all the way to the cross. My dad got saved before my mom and used to tell my mom, Joy, you're going to hell. And that was the way he witnessed to her, <laughs> which uh, is a terrible way to witness to your spouse. Uh, my mom was the most moral, saintly person I've ever known. Um, and so she couldn't understand why her being a good person would go to hell and just couldn't connect that. And so the more my dad told her, you're going to hell, <laughs> he used to drive her crazy. And then when she went to, they went to church, they went to Big Calvary uh, up in Costa Mesa. And it was like during the seventies, I think. And Chuck was preaching a gospel of grace and a gospel of mercy and love. That's when she like, it clicked for her. Like, oh my goodness, like I need the love of Jesus. Um, so I think long story short, don't just tell people they're going to hell, which is a part of the gospel. We need to tell people the bad news as well as the good news, which is there's grace, there's mercy for you. So I think I have a friend too right now that I've had for 20 plus years that is not walking with the Lord. And I'm trying, I, I just, you just keep in contact. You keep, Hey, you know, their, their parents, their, their dad passed away. Hey man, I'm praying for you. I'll be at the funeral. I love you. You know, just continuing to be that stability of the gospel in their life and being honest about the fact that you're not perfect and you need grace just like anybody else, I think, mm. um, is a good way to do it. Yeah. What would you say, Quincy? Yeah, just to add to that, um, don't forget to pray for them too mm. and not give up in prayer for them because at least for me, a lot of times I think that maybe someone's salvation or someone coming back to the Lord depends on me and that I have to be the person to do it, you know, to share with them, to invite them to church. And like, yes, we should be doing those things, but we, I can't save anyone. You know, mm. I can't put that pressure on myself to do what only God can do. Mm. So to pray for them, to bring them to the Lord in prayer, just, um, that God would save them, that he would do a miracle in their life. And I think Paul, you know, Paul, the apostle, he didn't change until he had an encounter with God, obviously. And so mm. just to pray that God would um, come into their lives that he would reveal himself to your friend, whoever it is. And if they have that hard heart, just know that like God is working. He's still working in that. And so don't give up. Don't give up in praying. Don't give up in being that good example to them. And um, just to invite them to church or invite them to hang out or do whatever and bring the Lord into it. But um, yeah, don't grow weary in that. Yeah, totally. I think... You know, this is the, I mean, it's a tough part of evangelism of, um, is being rejected. You know, nobody likes to be rejected. You know, you, sometimes you feel, <laughs> some of us experienced it more than others. 
I'm having but, flashbacks <laughs> and like twitching. Flashbacks to like freshman homecoming asking <laughs> someone to dance and they're like, oh no, I have plans. <laughs> I have self-respect. Rejection. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, it's hard. You, you present something that to you is so valuable, the gospel of grace, of love, of eternal life, of Jesus and to offer it to someone and for them to continually reject it can become very discouraging. And I think um, both you guys, you guys really hit it on the nail. Andrew, like you said, living a life. I mean, that's, that's really where it comes to like, hey, you got to practice what you preach. Um, and I think that's where it comes like, just because you're a, a Christian doesn't mean you have to be a bad friend to somebody who rejects the gospel. Mm-hmm. We're not called to, to hate those that reject it, you know, or, or to... To, to give up, like you said, Quincy, and, and stop praying for them or just because they reject it, you know. And I'm glad that you brought up Paul, the apostle. That uh, That's what I was thinking of, Saul, um, of Tarsus, because, I mean, he heard it throughout his life. And, I mean, one of the, I think, you know, we, we talk about it going through Acts. One of the most powerful things I think that spoke to his life was Stephen's, you know, last words, his sermon as he, right before he was getting stoned to death. Um, and Paul was there, Saul was there and he heard it and God was chasing him down and God, you know, until he had an encounter with the Lord. I mean, that guy rejected the gospel constantly Mm. and then the Lord encountered him. And, um, I think it's just a good reminder to us that we, we can't change. We're not called to change people's hearts. You know, it's only the Holy spirit that can do that. Holy spirit is the only one that can change a person's heart. And so we, we got to plead to the spirit. We got to pray, pray for that person. Um, and Dude, it's crazy. I have a, I have a friend. Let's. Um, I think we all know him. He's a pastor in Canada, and he said where he is in in Canada, people are very weary of of newcomers. So like, you walk up to someone you don't know, and you're like going to share the gospel with them. They don't care about what you have to say. Um, and so one of the biggest ways that he's been getting like witnessing to people is inviting people over to his home to have dinner with them. And he has dinner with them, and he's he's saying like they'll bring alcohol, and he's like. Ah, drink you know that's okay you know or he's like they'll use language around his kids and he's like hey man you know we're not gonna say that around my children but just lovingly inviting them into his house and then living the gospel with them and he's like that's that's the only way that we've been able to like really reach people mm-hmm. is by having that personal contact with them and to love them into the kingdom mm-hmm. and he's like it's hard and we have to explain certain things to our children like hey like when he said this word or when this happened like that's not you know and they go to the word of god as to why they don't live that way and you know to pray for these people as they're coming to their home and so that's been for him um it's difficult it puts stress on him and his family but it's ultimately the only way that they've been able to like really reach into the community mm-hmm. is to invite people into their house that's awesome. and like live the gospel with them it's that's pretty awesome. pretty amazing so. Yeah, I think that's, I, I like that you brought that up because that's such a sweet and powerful way to share the gospel because that's what I, when in my mind, I'm like, that's what Jesus did. Yeah. And he was ridiculed for it. You know, like, you know, the Pharisees were like, man, you, how can you dine with, you know, drunkards and prostitutes and, you know, the people, the common people, Yeah. you know, and he ate with them and he welcomed sharing a meal with them and, um, it's just like sincere love, authentic love. I think people yeah. can under, can understand. They might not accept what you have to say, but they can accept real love, you yeah. know, like authentic, real love. And I think that plays a huge part into um, witnessing because that's what Jesus did. Yeah. That's his heart. For sure. Um, For sure. Yeah. So be a good friend. <laughs> yeah. Be nice. Be nice, <laughs> be nice people. people. <laughs> Bring your attitude way down. <laughs> And be nice to people. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I could even think of in my own life, some friends of mine who, you know, came to me and they were like, oh, well, I no longer believe in God. I'm an atheist and this is why. And I remember God really put it in my heart, like, don't push him away just because of that. Like, and I think the easy thing for us as Christians to do is to, once someone rejects us or once someone doesn't believe something that we do, we either label them that way and we push them aside and we say, oh, those are those people. Or yeah. rather than... Like you said, inviting them in. We talked about it a little bit in our apologetics podcast, but Ravi Zacharias calls it apologetics with a touch. Yeah, it's like you sure. can know everything, but are you touching their lives? Are you being a good citizen, person, friend, mm-hmm. son, 
you know, uh, daughter, whatever. It's like, why would you, why would a person care what you have to say if you don't care about them? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I think right now everything that's going on, like you could tell someone, Hey, you're doing what you're doing is wrong or whatever. Like, well, who are you to tell me that? Yeah. And why would I care what you have to say? You know, that's my attitude anyway. Like, why would I care what you have to say? And you can't tell me what to do. So I think my dad used to say it all the time, doing junior high ministry, especially, like you're trying to tell a junior high kid like something. And he would say to us, like, why would they, why should he care what you have to say when you've been here for a week and they don't know you? So they don't care what you have to say until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. And they know that by you showing up and being a consistent person mm-hmm. in their life. So um, I think that's a, a, a great reminder of how we, how we're living this world. We're supposed to be in the world, not of the world, right? Yeah. You got to be in it to reach it. And yeah. so um, that's why we spend time in the Word. That's why we spend time in fellowship and come to church is so that we can be strengthened to go back out and to live amongst mm-hmm. those who don't, don't know Jesus. And yeah. um, it's a little bit darker out there. Yeah. And it's good. I think, man, if you if you're living a life where people are rejecting the gospel, like that's a well lived life. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> you know, I like it. At least that's you con- told somebody. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's convicting to my. I mean, I think of myself. Like it's convicting to me. Like, you know, being on staff at church, it's like you're always at church events, just constantly surrounded by believers. And sometimes you can become content in that and feel like you don't need to be out in the world. Or and and then I mean, I think you're on the right track. If you're in a place where you have friends that are, you know, or people you're encountering that are rejecting the gospel, because that's those are the people that Jesus loves. Yeah. And, and so keep charging, mm-hmm. Kentucky. Keep charging. Mm, we're praying for you. <laughs> and our last question for today is a question that says, "How do you explain religion?" versus your faith for example when someone says oh so you're religious i'm really excited to hear quincy's answer on this <laughs> particular topic really okay well the classic answer is you guys know it it's not a religion it's a relationship, relationship. come on <laughs> hashtag which yeah. i mean yeah that's true right like religion is a lot of times a checklist of things that you have to do to earn God's favor or to get to heaven or to have this future or to be reincarnated in a, you know, whatever favorable body for the next life. Or, (laughs) you know, it's just like all these to do's checklist and that's religion. But my faith, my faith in Jesus, it's so much different than that because having that understanding that the God of the universe, the creator, he loves me that much that he came and he died to save me from my sin, save me from death. And now I get to go to heaven and have a life with him and he wants to use me. It's so much beyond just me securing my future by doing these good things. It gives so much more purpose than religion because religion I think is very selfish. It's about yourself. You know, how can I do this or that? But Um, My faith in the Lord is about him and it's not about me. And um, I just think of in the Bible how a lot of times in, in the Old Testament and stuff, God points out, hey, your idols, they're made with man's hands. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. They have mouths, but they can't talk. And it's so dead, but he's the living God who desires that relationship with us. So it's hard to explain to someone who doesn't know the Lord and they might look at us like we're crazy, but, um, just to explain that it's based on love, the love of God, not based on your works and what you have to do to earn something, I think is a big difference in religion and our faith in Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting. Like when someone, someone will say like, Hey, we're going to go do this, uh, thing that's, you know, we're going to go to Vegas this weekend and go crazy. And they're like, Hey, you should come with us. You're like, nah, I, I don't, I'm not going to do that. And they're like, oh, are you religious or something? <laughs> and so they're, I think when they're, when they hear something like that, like, oh, I'm not, I don't do that. It's like, well, why don't you do that? It's because you're religious, meaning that you don't do these things mm. and you do these things 
in order to appease some God that you serve. And so you abstain from this type of living and you will live a certain way so that you can be, um, you know, appease some kind of religious system and be a part of that. So I think that's kind of the mentality that they have is like, why don't you do these things? We have freedom. Like I can do this stuff. I'm 21. I can do whatever I want. Um, basically anything that, that like, um, you restrain yourself from in a culture that says, um, indulge in every appetite because if it feels good, do it, then that becomes some kind of like, Oh, it must be because you're religious. Mm. Um, cause why wouldn't you, you know, why wouldn't you indulge? Why wouldn't you sleep around? Um, uh, why wouldn't you party and live it up now? Because you know, it, when you, you have to have a get, get a job or whatever, and you're not going to have fun anymore. Or, you know, why would you be tied down to one person your whole life when you could, you know, do all, you know, live in these world, you know, worldly and doing all that stuff. Like why, why wouldn't you do this? Mm-hmm. And it's because you're religious and it's that idea of if you don't do these things and you do these things, like you're saying, Quincy, you're appeasing some kind of God. And I think that's the mentality that they come with when they say like, Oh, what are you religious or something mm-hmm. is because you don't do a certain thing. And, um, the, the mistake, and like you're saying, it's, it is a relationship. Like I don't go out on my wife because I love my wife, not because I'm trying to earn her love and like trying to appease her. It's because I love her. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not going to do that. It's just, it's a part of a new creation in me. It's, it's part of what God has made me in spite of my sin. It's a, it's a renewal of spirit and to someone who's blinded. They can't see that and they're not going to understand that mm-hmm. what they see it as do's and don'ts. They don't see it as privilege and love um, where like Paul says, I'm free from the power of sin, meaning I don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to wake up feeling regret and, and totally missing out. Like I don't have to wake up wondering if I made a terrible mistake. I don't have to. I don't have to be driven by my flesh where I can actually have freedom from these things. And, and someone who says like, you know, what are you religious or something? They don't understand that, that they're in bondage and that they are blind to them. They live in a culture that applauds them. Um, where, uh, when you're, when you're saved and the blinders are removed and you can see and you're born again, now you understand like I, I'm free from the power of sin. I don't have, when sin says jump, I don't have to say how high anymore. Mm. Like I'm free from that. And so I can say no to those appetites. I can, um, walk in the spirit of God. Like that's, um, that's the difference of relationship and religion is I'm free from the power of, of sin. And that's why I can say no to these things. It's not because I'm trying to, um, make God happy with me. He already is. He loves me. He cares about me. Therefore, that's what motivates me to, to mm. keep going. It's because I'm loved by God. So that's my answer. Nice. That's good. That's good. I think, it, you know, I think this question and you guys were hitting it is this question is kind of asked in the sense of like, how would you explain it to an unbeliever? Mm-hmm. How would you explain it to somebody, you know, that's trying to figure that out? Like the difference between, um, faith and religion. And I think, I mean, that word religion has some like connotations with it. You think of, you know, like, like you guys, you guys said, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like incense and, and liturgical prayers and and stuff like that and do's and don'ts and a list of commandments. And I think it is true that religion, like you were saying, Quincy is very self-centered. It's almost in a sense of like, how can we reach God? How can we make ourselves better? How can we earn enough merit badges? You know, Hey, shout out boy scouts, you know, like to be like to where, you know, I'm like, I've appeased God and God is like, you can now welcome into my presence. (laughs) But when we look at the gospel, it's, that's so opposite of what Jesus came to do. It's, it's not so much us working up to God's favor, but it's rather God reaching down to us. Jesus, God himself, 
humbling himself, becoming a man, born into a poor household, a family of nobodies, really, mm-hmm. and becoming a commoner and, you know, dying on a cross, you know, paying the price, the penalty of our sins that he did not deserve. And, and you know, I think this question really, it, you know, if, if, a, if you're, you're listening to this, maybe your friend asks you that, this, this is a great opportunity for you to share the gospel yeah. with your friend to explain that, to explain what it is, um, what it really means. It reminds me of Ephesians 2, verse 8, which says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God, and it's 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 a re, it's reminding ourselves that what Jesus did in humbling Himself and going to the cross and dying for our sins, paying our penalty, man, that's God's grace on us. It's by grace we're saved. We didn't deserve that. It's His gift. Nothing that we did. But the way that I lay hold of that is through faith. And I think even explaining what does faith mean? What does it mean? And it is a relationship. It is a belief. It is trusting in the Lord. It is learning how to walk with him. It's not just like, hey, I'm checking it off on Sunday. I went to church or I read my Bible, you know, because I think even in Christianity, we can sometimes treat it like a religion in a sense of like do's and don'ts, like a checklist. And we forget that like, I'm walking with the Lord. Like, what does it mean to invite him into my life? my commute to work while I'm at the coffee shop, while I'm at work or, or at school, doing school online, or I'm with friends or, you know, at the beach or at a park or whatever you may be doing, you know, out in, in just out and about, inviting the Lord into that, walking with him and listening to him and praying. It's a, it's a drastic change from re- religion to living in faith. Amen. I think just to go off with on that, um, uh... A lot of times we divide our lives into secular and sacred, but inviting mm-hmm. the Lord into everything and seeing everything as a sacred act, right? I was, I, you took the words out of my... I was going to think... That's exactly... <laughs> thanks for saying it a lot that's better no. and more concise than what I, I just said. <laughs> no, that, I love that, that though. No, that's good. That's good. Because once it's in your mind, you can be like doing the dishes and be like, God's here with me. And like, yeah. I want to take this time to invite him in and to allow God to be a part of every day yeah. and not just be like, Oh, I'm doing homework. This is obviously, you know, I'm in the world. This is what I do. It's no big deal. Like God doesn't want to meet me here, but he does. Yeah. So inviting him into those yeah. things. And I think the time that we're living right now, um, I think people are realizing that, you know, we've talked about it before, kind of how, um, being away from church has kind of like killed the consumerism or the religion of what it means. And I think we can all fall into that where we're just, we do divide it to where there's the secular and then there's the sacred. And, um, now it's like, man, I'm realizing that church is so much bigger than the building and the place that I go to. I am the church. I am the temple of the Holy spirit. He's with me right now. He's in my home, you know, in my room, that could be a holy moment because God is there and I know God and God's desiring to speak to me. And when I'm doing dishes, when I'm walking the dog with my son, you know, or whatever, <laughs> you're getting coffee with a friend, like to, to remember that. Yeah. 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 I think one of our favorite quotes is one of the most godly things you can do is eat a good meal and take a good nap. <laughs> yes. You know, it's just because you're doing that doesn't mean that you're not walking with God and walking by faith. You know, mm. but that's, I think it's a good thing to for all of us to check ourselves too. It's like, am I becoming religious where, you know, Paul wrote the whole book of Galatians to a group of people that have done just that. I mean, to a hyper extent, they'd gone back into sacrificing things. And, but I think a lot of it was because the cross of Christ is just so simple Hmm. and we, as people want to feel like we earned it or deserve it. And, And so if I can have something tangible in front of me, where I'm reminded of blood, I'm reminded of death, I'm reminded of like, this is something that I could put my hands to and bring to God. Then I'm more, I I can understand it. And now I can see that my hands have been on it. Where this relationship that we have with God is our hands are totally off of it. Like salvation is a total work of God. It's for him. It's by him. It's um, extended to us. It's, it's, you know, the spirit draws us unto him. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where there was a girl that we ministered to for a long time who could not grasp 
this idea that God loved her and cared for her regardless of what she had done and that she was going to heaven simply by believing in Jesus. And she says, there's no way Mm -hmm. like that just can't be. There has to be something that I do. There has to be something that I put my hands on that. And she wanted to be able to feel that accomplishment or that. And, and salvation's not that way. Religion, Mm -hmm. religion's that way. Um, but salvation by faith is not that way. Yeah. I think that's a lot of times where we struggle is like, man, it's just too simple. Is it really that simple? Like, is it really, is there anything else that I need to do or can do or to like really ensure it? And I think like you said, like, am I really saved? <laughs> am I? Cause, cause I prayed a prayer and Greg Laurie was there, you know, and like we did that whole thing or I, I prayed when I was three, like, did it really catch when I was three or, you know, so I think that's where we want to be able to feel like, okay, yeah, I've done something and I know that I'm saved because I did VBS for two years, you know, <laughs> and, and um, I, I've suffered through that, you know, or whatever. And so I have God's favor. And if you have done VBS for two years, God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> you're definitely going to have it. I mean, your crown is going to be huge. <laughs> it's going to have a little Bible point on top, right in front, a little Bible buddy. Trust no. Jesus. But that's, yeah, it's true. I mean, you look at the book of Revelation, it gives you a glimpse of heaven. No one's praising their accolades up there like look what i've done yeah the you know the amount of people i spoke to or the church that i built or the mission trips that i've gone on you know or it's all that they say is worthy is the lamb yeah who was slain and they're face down casting their crowns basically giving everything that is of worth in their life and realizing that it's all because of jesus and and that's that's the difference between religion and faith. Yeah. yeah it's, it's all Jesus. It's, yeah. And I think that's the thing. That, it is so simple. It's the mystery of grace. Yeah. You know, it's like you will, I still have a hard time understanding it. And like, God, really? Have you forgiven me of <laughs> everything? Like, it's, oh, it's, yeah. Is and, there a book missing from yeah. the Bible that, that is key yeah. to, uh, like, where Paul's like, if oh, there is Quincy, If there is Quincy knows about it, <laughs> she's, no, read it. she's read it. At the Sam Juan Public Library. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's encouraging. I mean, because it, it, calls, it calls for us to just rest yeah. in that. And I think there's something about that, resting in what God has done and not necessarily working, yeah. but abiding. He said, abide in the vine. Yeah. So sweet. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the questions that we have for today. We want to thank you for listening to lightning rounds. And for those of you that sent in um, questions, thank you guys. The ones that sent into our Instagram. If you want to send in a question, feel free to find us on Instagram at refuge underscore SJC. Shoot us a DM if you want a topic or even a guest that you would like us to have. Um, I hear Ben Corson's been asking to, to get on here, but uh, we can make it happen. <laughs> I think he, I know yeah, what he's going to say, did, yeah. but it'd be, gr- it'd be great to have him. No, but keep sending in those questions and those requests. They're awesome. There's some of them that were sent in. We didn't get to, don't worry. We're going to get to them um, soon, probably in the next episode. We'll, we'll get to those. Um, we also want to thank Quincy. Thank you for being here. Quincy. Yeah, you rock. Thanks, um, guys. Thanks for having me. You. Yeah, we're going to miss you so much. Quincy, any last words you want to leave to um, our listeners? <laughs> keep listening. <laughs> Stay tuned. Stay tuned for what's next. Best (laughs) podcast ever. There you go. There it is right there. I have a question for Quincy. Uh Um, Long boards or short boards? Long boards. Long boards. So you would say one God, one fin, one flag. (laughs) Under God. God. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, that's great. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We love you guys. See ya. Bye. Bye.